Hey y'all, this is Lauren Darcy with uh, Loud as Love episode four. I'm here with my buddy Nate. Howdy, howdy. Hell yeah, what's up? Thanks for coming. Thanks oh, for being here. My pleasure to be here. It was a short walk from the house. That's that's true, I bet. Yeah. I bet. The long distance uh, equation, for sure. Oh yeah. So, uh, I'm under the impression the uh, the premise of this podcast is to be about incredibly eventful and life changing shows. Am I? Am I? It's am I more like adventure stories. Mm. Like it's more like things that are relevant to you yeah. and like why you continue to go to shows because like there's so many different. Um, you know, war story podcast of musicians being on the road, doing all this stuff. I wanted to go from a perspective of fans, mm. of just people who love live music. You know, like when I was little, my mom was like, you should go to shows. I'm like, what do you, you don't know anything. <laughs> like, are you crazy? And she's like, well, you know, there's a lot of kids there and they make their own music. That suggestion changed my life, mm. you know. So I just wanted to talk to you about like just relevant things that have changed your life as far as like different bands. Yeah. Yeah. No, I love that because it, it is it is very relevant to why I've always gone to shows and continue to, which is that it's like one of the few places where something can really be still unpredictable. Right. Like the only thing you have in common with the rest of these, you know, maybe hundred people in a room is you maybe like the same kind of wiggly air. And right. So you know, there's just uh, so so much so much mishaps, so many mishaps that can happen. I think the biggest, the first, like, most presently life-changing show I went to uh, was, I think it was, it was one of the Levitation Fests 2017. Uh, oh, man. Chelsea Wolf and... I was there. Story and Wiccans, you were at that show? I was at that show. Yeah, that was it. That one, that one ripped. I, uh, She's dazzling. Dude, Chelsea Wolf. I met her at Yellow Jacket. No kidding. She was friends with one of the old bartenders, and yeah. I just saw this, like, gorgeous woman. Yeah. You know? And she had this, like, silk black, like, obviously something no. that Chelsea Wolf would wear. And I just look up, and I start to die. I'm just like... <laughs> Oh my god, she's really beautiful in real life. I don't know what to do. And then my friend Allison was like, hey, Chelsea, how are you? I'm like, you sons of bitches know each other. What do you mean you know each other? And I made a fool out of myself. She had the black limo, like, pull up to yellow. Of course. Oh my god, it was ridiculous, dude. There's a lot of musicians I feel like I could I could reasonably go up and say hi to, but I feel like if I if I tried to speak to Chelsea Wolf, I would just burst into flames. Like I don't think any I don't think any I could make any headway on that one. She's too right. Um, but anyway, I so uh, the, maybe a year prior to that show, uh, there was another one, Street Sex and Horror. This is relevant. I swear. Love Street Sex. So fucking good at Barracuda. big fan. Rest in peace. Um, big fan in Austin. I remember just seeing these two these two dorks, one of them with red hair, doing a Fortnite dance in right. in the in the in the crowd. In the pit. I was like, these motherfuckers are gonna get their they're gonna get their shit knocked in. What is what's going on here? Right. And I just tucked that experience away. It's just like the weirdest doing the dance. But then at this Chelsea Wolf Ministry show, I, I was up front and I had dropped a lot of acid before the show. So I was wandering around. I wasn't really sure where I was or who was even playing next. And I, I have like this incredible moment of clarity that the person standing in front of me is the same ginger motherfucker doing the Fortnite dances in the pit. No. And so I was like, wait, were you doing the like the, the, the whole thing just trying to make sense of whatever was going on in my brain? And so we got talking and we realized that we lived about a block apart from each other. Oh no. We're into the same kind of music. And lo and behold, five, 
six, seven years down the line. That person, Beck, is now the keyboardist uh, and guitar player in my band. No shit. Very unpredictable no shit. event that we met as a result of them doing Fortnite dances at a street sex show and then That's awesome. standing in front of me at Chelsea Wolf. So that was one of the best surprises in my life with meeting that to have person. that. Yeah. That's awesome. That's awesome. That's fucking rad. Yeah. Yeah, I, uh, my friend Jay is an amazing enamel pin designer. Mm-hmm. And he just, like, taught himself how to do it. And he's, like, really good. But I met him at this place in New York called Santos Party House. It was a music venue owned by Andrew W.K. No kidding. In, like, the lower bowels of Manhattan. Mm-hmm. And I had went to go see Jay Mathis' stoner band, Witch, at the time. It was one of his side projects, Jay Mathis from Dinosaur Jr. And there was this guy there who was taking pictures at the time with a digital camera. Mm. And I had never seen one because it was new. It was this new thing. And I was just like, oh, like, do you need to take pictures? He's like, no, nah, I do it all the time. Like, it's good, blah, 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 blah. And then we started talking about every time I die. And he pulls up his sleeve, and he's got this, like, giant ETD idiot Yo. tattoo. And he's like, bro, that's my fucking band, blah, 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 blah. We're still friends to this day. That's but I, I, I walked in there and, like, made a friend for life, not yeah. willingly knowing. And so that was awesome. So I, I get it. I totally get it. Yeah. Yeah, the un, the unpredictability of it all is, is just, good Lord, there's nothing, there's really nothing else like it. It gets so easy to just stay in your bubble. I feel like the only time I'm, I'm really surprised by other people, in both positive and negative connotations as it right. shows now. Me too. Me too. How long have you been in Austin? Uh, I was born and raised here, so. Were you? No yeah. shit. Yeah, my, my parents moved from... Well, they did. They did move from California, but my mom grew up in Houston, and my dad grew up in Utah. So they came oh, wow. to Texas after they got married, and uh, had me and my younger brother. And my older brother was born in California. That's crazy. That's awesome. And then, um, what are you doing in school? So right now I'm going to school for audio engineering. There you go. Uh, yeah, that's. <laughs> well done. I, I do love you, that wiggly air. Yeah. Yes. So um, mostly though, I just I. I'd like to think I'm pretty pragmatic about it. I just love music, and anything Same. I can do that's as close to doing that as, as possible. As a career, I get it. I would be fine with, like, I would love doing promoting. I'd love Same. To, you know, build amps. I'd love to do... Booking you know, bands, all that. Musician, just anything I can do to be as close as possible to this... Right. ...is fine by me. It's fine by me, yeah. right. But audio engineering seems like the most fun route for me, in addition to just making music. Oh, absolutely, and you've picked the perfect town for it. I mean, one of the reasons I moved to Austin, Texas, was because of all the bands. Yeah. Um, um, I went on a date a couple months ago, and on a Tuesday, I went and saw a really good psych rock band. And I was like, there is no other city that you could get away with other than maybe L.A. or New York, where you can randomly walk into some place, pay $10, and see a band that blows your mind yeah. on a date, nonetheless. You can't do it anywhere else. You cannot do it anywhere else. And I think one of the greatest things about Austin is that even though it is changing, and it is expensive and we're all like really struggling to live here the musicians are still very good <laughs> yeah yeah like, well, this is this is something i've always thought is that you know if you if you want to make good extreme music you need to be extreme against something and, you right know, for you know early norwegian black metal that's you know the serenity of you know christian northern european country for right it's you know uh, uh jerry whatever uh, whoever the fuck that mayor of california was um 
fall will, something or other. You got to be rebelling against something, and I think right. Austin has done such a great job of becoming such a shithole that it makes a lot of musicians very angry. Right. I think so too. And then also, I think that diamonds are better found when you have to really gig. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like originally, it was a gold mine for music and creativity. And now it's not the case. Mm-hmm. And I think that when you do find a show and you do find something really relevant, it sticks harder, you know? Like, for example, the Converge thing. Yeah. Like, just seeing that band on a Monday in the wealthiest street in the country <laughs> in a 300-square-foot bar in an office building. Yeah. It's like a joke. You, you, can't, you, you don't have the imagination to make that up. You know, and I, I think one of the greatest things about Austin still is how creative they've gotten at being creative. Yeah. I really do. I was like, holy fucking shit. Because, um, like, for example, I went to that show that you guys played at, mm-hmm. and it was really just interesting. Like, I just I, I just didn't think bands played in garages anymore. <laughs> you know? No, the, DI, the DIY scene is alive and well. Um, I think that... Yeah, it, it, when, when, when you create an environment like that, a lot of people give up and get out. And so it's almost a self-selection process. The people that are going to stay here are the ones that are most motivated to make a statement when people don't. It, it, the, the frustrating thing is that it's not even that people don't want you to make a statement. People are just apathetic to it, which right. is why we have you know, the city of Austin putting money towards tech bros and sure. affordable housing for musicians. Sure. They just don't care. They it's don't not care. that they don't want you here. They just don't. Acknowledge. It just doesn't prioritize to them. Yeah. Yeah. And so there is a big the people that are here are like no motherfucker we're going to be noticed whether you like it or not and so if that right. means playing in a garage and getting the cops called and noise complaints good someone noticed you know right and then so you say the DIY scene is alive and well in what way I think that there are I think that the DIY scene is just propelled by People that are frustrated with gatekeeping in a lot of right. places. Like that's always been that's always been the mo of right. DIY is open access. Um, and I think that in Austin, there we have a lot of things going for us in terms of inspiration. Like there are a lot of high level creatives that are attracted here, right. bridging the gap between the kind of phenomenal bands that roll through this city and play, you know, big stages like Mohawk or Emos, right. and the the day to day grind of being a musician that wakes up in Austin and spends their day in Austin, you know. Right. Seeing the highs of the highs is what gets people to be like, well, you know, how do I get there? What, what, right. what, do you what is the this? middle step? Right. People, the middle step, I think, is missing in Austin. Like, there's right. not a good middle ground for middle class musicians to not be super famous and not be super right. broke. But people see that and they're trying to create that through DIY. I think right. it's, a, it's a practical measure and a, you know, there are people that put it in a grand artistic vision. Right. But mostly I think DIY is kind of a spillover of a practical necessity to make right. space for musicians in a city that aren't super famous. Mm-hmm. Did you ever go to Broken Neck? That was one of my favorite DIY venues. Mm-hmm. No, no. It was awesome. Yeah. Um, it was a... It's demoed now. It's all condos now. But it is 
a giant skating, like they made a giant swimming pool in a factory, and you have to sit on the edge of the swimming pool, and it's all concrete, so everybody would just skate. They would set off firecrackers. Like, it was, like, really good. Um, and so I just think, like, I just wanted to ask you... What local shows have you gone to that have just been so spectacular? Not necessarily about like getting fucked up, but like mm -hmm. as the unity that you talk about, like with middle class musicians and stuff like that. I think I think the best example of it is probably the Blank Hellscape show I went to on Randy Street. Uh, there's tapes of it up on the internet. That was a very inspiring show for okay. like you know, this is this is a band that's like maybe not super famous on a no. national stage, but like goes absolutely fucking bonkers anytime they, they get the opportunity to. They do. And so you have a relatively new venue that, like you said, is in one of the richest streets in the country. Right. Nobody wants them there. Right. They're really there by a fluke, by you know, a lot of hard work to piss people off. Right. Um, and here are these kids just going absolutely fucking bonkers and clearing at out Little all Brother the Bar. Is yeah. that it? At Little Brother on Rainy. Oh, that's awesome. Clearing out all the patios of all of the other, you know, rich bars around, having people stop on the street and look over and just go, "What the fuck is going on here?" That um, that was probably one of the most. I was I was one of the high points of local music I've ever seen. I don't even know if there are any other acts. Why? Um, it was the energy. It was seeing like a lot of familiar faces that recognized that this was an opportunity to like fuck shit up. To kind of fuck shit up. <laughs> to, you know, to make a lot of noise and make people upset. And I was like, hell yeah, right. that's, that's kind of balling. Um, that was one of the better shows I think I've ever been to. Um, I also think that one of one of the other stories I wanted to mention. Uh, this is maybe not a high point artistically, but right. definitely a high part, a high point in terms of eventfulness. Right, um, and like community. Yeah, community, I would sure. say. Community. <laughs> so, did, you, did you go to Trailer Space? Who? Trailer Space. No, what is that? Time. So it was a record store that never stole the, sold any records. I'm like, what? Almost, I'm almost positive it was a drug front because it was a, the jankiest ass record store in East Austin. I think it's been replaced by a vegan fried chicken place. Um, they just, you know, they were one of those places. All of the, all of the walls were just covered in posters. Nobody really seemed to buy records. There was a shitty PA. Where was it in East station. Austin? Uh, it's like, you know where Eastside Pines is? Yes. The Eastside, uh, yeah, uh -huh. it's, it was like in that same park. Holy cow. Yeah. And so as, you know, as a very young teenager just getting into punk and DIY, right. I saw pictures of this place on the internet. I was like, holy shit, I've never seen anything like that before. Right. Uh, and so for my, for, my, for my 14th birthday, of all things, I decided to go to a metal show at Trailer Space. I had never heard of any of the bands. I just okay. went with some of my friends. We roll up and we get into the parking lot and there's this motherfucker with his shirt off who has a tattoo that is like maybe nine by five inches of, of, of Hitler doing a salute right, right here. Holy then, shit. Like, you know, giant swastika on his arm. Like, guy's very clearly unashamed and looking for attention because right. of this. And so he's just going around kind of like talking to people, side-eyeing everybody, right. and like I tried to stay away because that's a little, just a little bit sketchy, but by and large the first couple bands like went on without any kind of hiccups or anything, but then like I think it was the, the, the third or fourth band, um, somebody threw a bottle in the pit at him, understandably so. Good. 
Yeah, good. Good, great. And um, it's like the place just evacuated into the parking lot. Like everything oh disappeared. And I stayed inside, and the band kept playing. And then, like, five or six minutes later, the owner of the place, Spot, gets up on stage. And he's like, okay, no, no, no. You got, you all got to just gotta, like, get the fuck out of here. And I had stayed inside, so I didn't see what happened. But I left in a big hurry with all of my friends. Birthday party ruins, naturally. Right, and, and you were all, like, 13, 14. All, like, 13, 14. Mm-hmm. The next day, five people got stabbed in that parking lot by that motherfucker. Yeah. Holy shit. And so, you know, being I was raised I was raised Mormon. Okay. My parents weren't really punks. This was Are they still Mormon or no? No, They're more like reformed. My entire family has is uh, my entire immediate family has left the church now. But I got home, I saw that and I was like Holy shit, this is a real surprise in a city without any surprises anymore. Right. This is where I need to be, oddly right. enough. Um, this is real life. Yeah, this is this is real life. It felt like a it felt like an encounter for somebody very sheltered growing up. Right. So that was very, very pivotal. And then seeing the reaction from the metal community around that of just like, you know, posting the guy's mugshot and creating like wanted posters. Right. Just generally, you know, posturing as hard asses about what they were going to do to that guy when he got out. I was like, all right, this is kind of, kind of based. I can get around this. Right. So. That's awesome. That, that, that one stuck with me. So the metal community really stuck to you? And their stories are I wasn't, no. I wasn't really affected by it, but no. I remember a lot of the bands uh, were getting support from people. I think one of the members of, I think one of the bands was called like Astaroth or something. I think okay. one of the members had gotten hurt, and I remember seeing GoFundMe's and people coming together for that. Holy um, shit! And so that was that was nice, if not unexpected and right. weird. But fuck that guy. I hope he's still. In fuck jail. that guy. I hope fuck he dies. Guy. Anyhow, um, did you? Is this your first band that you're in, or no? Uh, you know, I had played with some friends' bands before. Okay. Uh, you know, I felt uh, one of one of my bandmates, his his prior band from Tribes, uh, lost their bassist for like a year or something, so okay. I filled in for them. Um, but Scraths, by and large, is my first you know band that's gotten any kind of traction or attention that I've had right. a measure of creative control over. Nice. Uh, yeah, and Man. it's. It's been such a great experience because I've known all of my bandmates for over a decade. We've been, you know, in the case of our bassist Jake, we've been best friends since like middle school. Um, and so, you know, there's, you a, there's a lot that we just couldn't get away with if we didn't trust each other like no, we do. I believe it. Um, like what? I mean, honestly, just the ha- having a stage presence. Uh, right. You know, I think that there is. There's a tendency among a lot of musicians to get really hyper-conscious about the way they're perceived and being willing to go crazy on stage and really really believe in what you're saying and perform as somebody that believes in what you're saying right. takes a lot of vulnerability for me at least, and I couldn't do that if mm-hmm. I wasn't doing it for my bandmates. Right. Because um, they're my friends and I want to make the best music I can with them. Right. And so it's... It's trust with each other that we're going to give it everything that we have to make the best of what we have, um, but then also trust that, like, yeah, it doesn't matter how other people see this as long as we trust each other that we're saying what we believe. Then we're just going to keep doing that, and everyone else can nice. take it or leave it. Have you guys been to shows together, like just as like a group? Very frequently. Yeah. Yesterday, my my uh, my bassist Jake and I were at the Deep Cross and Union show. Nice. Uh, Easy Prey. And- yeah. Hi, we guys. So fucking good. Hey. Such an incredibly stacked lineup. So yeah. incredible. 
Easy Prey, Mutant, Deep Cross, and who else? Uh, at the Heart of the World from Portland. Okay. I, I hadn't heard any of their material until the show. Uh, I was really interested. I'm, I'm planning on going back and listening to their recorded stuff because it was very it was very unique. It reminded me a lot of uh, like earlier Street Sex stuff. Right. Yeah, that's awesome. That's awesome. Um, what I wanted to ask you was where, what is one of your favorite venues? Mine is Mohawk. Oh, yeah. I just live there. That's it. That's, <laughs> that's the only one for me. I've talked about it on the podcast. I've talked about it. And as far as, like, bigger venues, that's as big as I'll go. Mm. I don't really feel the need to go bigger. Like, I saw AFI at Emo's the other day. Yeah. I went because Drab Majesty opened yeah. for them, and I was like, all right, all right, we're going to do this. But I, I also went because, like, when I was, like, 13, 14, like, AFI was, like, the band. Yeah. And I've talked about it on the podcast with my friend Bajan last season about how much AFI matters to him. Mm. Um, so I wanted to know if there were bands that you saw at the Mohawk that really mattered to you at all. I think the, the my, some I, I I agree. I think the Mohawk is probably the best between like you can have huge bands that come through there right. while not compromising the intimacy of Hell the yeah. space and either the indoor or outdoor stage. Hell uh, yeah. My favorite show I've seen at Mohawk is probably Shushu in twenty eight. 2017, 2018. Shushu, it's great. Yeah. It was, it great. Was the, no, it couldn't have been 17. It was, it was after they had released Girl with a Basket of Fruit, which remains one of my favorite albums ever released. Um, just absolutely wacko spiritual successor to the Residence Core. Um, and yeah, just, I mean, having listened to Shushu for several years prior, right. I think one of my favorite things about Mohawk is that when people play indoor stage, and often when they play the outdoor stage, right. they're just wandering around because mm -hmm. it's a cool venue and you can kind of no, hide. No, it's very down to earth. You can hide in corners, and I think that appeals to artists that want to like get a sense of the crowd, but sure. don't want to be like overwhelmed. Um, right. And so, you know, I got to say say hi to Jamie Stewart after the show. That's you know, awesome. Thor Harris, who is just Thor Harris all, is amazing. Around. Really good friend of mine. He's Austin a Staple. wonderful person. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I've seen I've seen him at a bunch of shows, but just seeing like kind of the coalescence of like the the real Austin that I had been in a bunch. Mohawk is a super familiar venue in combination with these people that I've like spent a lot of time listening and studying to. Right. It felt like a it felt like a holy convergence of like this is what this is what this is about. It's yeah. very high and the familiar combining to make a very special occasion. And so uh -huh. I went to that show with most of most of my bandmates were there. I think. Of oh, the same band of Scratch. Yeah, because we all, we all fucking love Shushu. Right. So good. Um, and so that was also that was also one of the familiar things combining with that. It's awesome. All poised to be very memorable. And they put on a great show. They have like so many. One of the things I love about Shushu is they they always have such tiny little percussive instruments scattered around the stage. Like the. What do you mean? So they'll have like little. Last last time I saw them was at Empire, and right. I I think in in Angela's corner. Just, was it during Levitation or no? It was during Oblivion Access. Um, it was when they great played great Riff. festival. So good. My I'm, favorite one. Can't I cannot wait to see what the 2023 lineup is going to be. It's deranged. I have my pass already. I that oh, was yeah. I I did not. Pass. I got the not the blank hellscape. I got the like blind faith pass where the you just like pass. go wherever the hell you want. I was like cool, gonna do it. 
Because I don't go on vacation. I go to shows. Hell yeah. Like, I don't need, you know, like, like, why do I have to travel when I can just walk 10 feet out of my door, pay $10 or $20, and have my mind blown? Like, I don't think there's any other way to do it, you know? People go on vacation to escape. I can just walk into 13th floor. Very true. I don't need it, you know? (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I would love to go on vacation, but I would also love to see that band. (laughs) Yeah. For sure. But to the point, I think I, I saw some commenter on the internet surmise it perfectly that Shushu is the only band that they've seen get upset that there weren't enough mics for their dildos on stage. Um, I just, it's something I admire about them in Furiant that they'll use fucking anything as an instrument. It's a very utilitarian approach to sound uh, that I, I highly appreciate. Right. Yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. I just, um, speaking of Thor Harris and seeing him, uh, one time I went to, my old roommate was in his band, Thorn Friends, mm. and I went to his house, and I was wearing a Swans shirt, and I had no idea that no. Thor was yeah. in Swan. And Thor is, like, standing outside of that crazy house, like, right behind Thunderbird, and he's eating an apple, and he's, like, pointing to me with the apple, and he's like, you know... Nice shirt. I'm like, what? He's like, I've been in that band for like 20-something years. I'm like, what are you talking about? He was dying. I think I've probably told this story a hundred times on Loud as Love. But like, oh my God. He, he To this day, he's like, you still have that shirt? Of course I still have that shirt. He's like, dude, I'll get you a new one. I'm like, <laughs> so every time I see him, he's always like, how's that shirt? <laughs> and that's his like running, running joke. I mean, it's uh, kind of easy to keep track of when you're in, like, I mean, God, he's in so many fucking bands. He's in so many bands. He's in, like, Water Damage, Thorin Friends. I feel like I heard, saw some new one. He was, he was in Shushu for a while and Swans for a while. Shushu is nuts. I just, I really admire people that just stay that busy. That's, yes, that's me too. Lot. That's something to look at. Me too. And he's just so adaptive. You know what I mean? Like, during the big freeze, he was doing, like, TikToks and Instagram, most, mostly Instagram videos on, like, how to fix your plumbing. Yeah. Because so many people were just like, what, that, yeah. what the fuck do we do? Like, we're just so screwed. Like, you know. And um, he's just great like that. Like, there was one levitation festival where he got, I think, maybe 20-something musicians, and they played inside a church on 7th and Red River. Mm. It was trendy. Yeah, it was dazzling. It was dazzling. I I haven't been in a church since I left, you know? And I was like, I'm never going to sit in here. If I sit in here, I'll burn alive. And I didn't. It was gorgeous. And I was like, you know, watching Thor and watching that band, I was like, you know what? This is why people consider churches a place of peace. Yeah. You know, like this is this is what religious folk or whatever come for. Yeah. You know, and he just had like every wind instrument possible and every percussion it was unbelievable. I've never seen anything like it. And yeah. and I, I think Austin is just so incredible for that. Yeah, I think I, I saw I saw the grouper and the microphones at that same church. They're very good about like 
letting cool musicians come in. It was so funny during Oblivion because the, the grouper and, and microphone shows were part of Oblivion to see all these like yeah, last year goth. Oblivion Access Festival. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, to see all these these like goth kids and dog collars walking into the church. I was like, yeah, this is. I don't. I don't think anybody saw this coming, but this is definitely this is definitely good. But I feel right. like mu music in churches just seems natural. Like I love seeing pictures of you know son loves to go on tour in Europe and play in these giant cathedrals. Um, it's like you have these these gorgeous old works of architecture built almost entirely on human suffering. Right. But then they they evoke such beauty. It's like it's an interesting analog to music being a very beautiful and fulfilling craft that just requires a fair amount of sacrifice and suffering. It just right. seems hard to square it at the end of the day, how to make sense of either of those two facts of our world. Right. Um, so I love the idea of combining them. Yeah, I think that music and, and seeing bands perform, the art of performance is one of the last human and last full experiences that you can have without technology, without a computer. And then you use, like, analog, digital, you use technology to make an experience real. Yeah. So I just think it's one of the last collaborative things. And humans have been making music since the beginning of time. And it is one of the last ways to feel alive. Yeah. You know? And I mean that in a really beautiful way. Um, I just think that so many different styles of music have been played here in a red state. And I think it's really changed the demographic of who lives here simply because it's such a powerful thing. Like if you look at ACL now and you look at Oblivion Access Fest, it's two different things. Yeah. Two different things. Right. But both of them <laughs> correlate. Like, there are people that go to ACL that also go to Oblivion Access. Like, I'm one of them. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, there are people that go to Oblivion Access, but they also go see Charlie Daniels at Nutty Brown Theater before he died. And I think that's just such an amazing, powerful thing to be here in Austin to do that. So... Yeah, I think the, peop the people here and the spaces here hold a lot of energy and a very... In a very specific sense, it's it's interesting to think about recording as a as a modern phenomena because it used to be that music only existed in the minds of the people who saw it performed, right. um, and so to be in a band now where we we haven't released any of our recorded material, the only meaningful sense in which our music exists is in the people that have seen the performances, right. and to have a city where so many bands come and go without releasing records, or even if they do, records that you know rise in popularity, fall in popularity. Right. There's a lot of emotional residue that gets left behind that you in those records in those records and totally. in people that see those performances and you can't just you know that's not the sort of thing you can just bring to another city and start up from scratch it's like you got there's a foundation here that i think is worth preserving but i'll be fucked if people are not making it really hard to do that right but also i think it's one of the greatest things about like living here you can't give up you can't you know um mainly because a you don't want to and b like why should they have all the fun? Yeah. You know, like, why, why, why let them win? 
Yeah. Make it as difficult as possible. Like, if I'm going to go down on this ship, I'm going to go down swinging, <laughs> and you're coming with me. You know? I think that's, like, one of the really great things about Austin. It's just that kind of, like, good old boy thing. It's like, all right, if we're going to fucking scrap, we're going to fucking scrap, and it's going to be for rock and roll, you know? So I just, I just really admire the resilience of that, uh, that creativity. And um, I also wanted to thank you for being on Loud is Love with me, Nate. Of course. Yeah. So we're done with this episode. Thank you guys so much for listening in. Thank you guys so much for uh, letting us pick each other's brains. And we'll see you on the other side. Thank you for having me, Laura. Goodbye, everyone. Same.